Welcome to Crime Shots. I'm Brie. And I'm Nikki. And this is one for the books. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yeah, I don't know how to like build. I don't know. I, I, I can't do a build up. So we're just gonna, we're gonna go with it. All right. So this is Lori Kennedy. I told mom about it and she got super excited because she's never heard of her either. Oh. So, Lori Kennedy was born July 18th, 1969 in Arizona. She didn't really have a happy childhood, no siblings, and both of her parents had passed away by the time she went to college. She moved to Dallas, Texas somewhere around 1989. That's when she enrolled in Dallas County Community College. So, for the people that don't know where Dallas is, it's the real big city on the map <laughs> in northeast Texas. Like, if you look at a map of Texas, Dallas is going to pop up. Mm-hmm. It's that big one right in the center. Dallas Community College is actually a really large college. I had never heard of it, though. I'm, I'm, there's probably a lot of them that I've never heard of. It has more than 70,000 students, more than 100 areas of study, and it's one of the largest community colleges in Texas. So... Naturally, this got me thinking about community colleges, right? Mm -hmm. So, of course, I got sidetracked. I looked at the rankings. (laughs) We're going to go over it. As of 2021, the top community college in Texas is San Jacinto College in Pasadena. Really? Yeah. Dallas is number seven. The one I went to is not ranked on there. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even listed. (laughs) Well, we won't call them out. It's fine. So that's where Lori started college. Then uh, she transferred to the University of Texas at Arlington. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody knows UT. We've talked about it before. Go back and listen to previous episodes. We appreciate it. So Lori graduated in 1997 with a degree in business administration. Then in 2003, she met Blake Ruff in a Bible study class at the Northwest Bible Church in Dallas. Okay, this is going to be important. Blake is from Longview, Texas. Now, Longview is East Texas. It's between Dallas and Shreveport, Louisiana. Brax Magdab in the middle of those two. Blake is the son of Nancy and John Ruff. He has three siblings, Mary, an identical twin brother, David, and Margaret. So, I think this is the first time we've had a twin on the show. No? Nikki? You're not listening. <laughs> yes, I am. Are you not interested? Not. I'm totally listening. Okay. It gets good. It gets really good. Okay. 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 So Blake comes from a well-known family. Uh, they're in banking and real estate. They come from a, a long line of like wealthy people. Like they were in the like oil industry and stuff like that. We know what that does to people in Texas. So they've got money. Okay. He attended high school at a McCallie school. So... The McCallie School, um, I could be pronouncing this wrong, and I apologize to the school, but go back and listen to previous episodes. I can't pronounce shit. So, the McCallie School, it's a boarding school for boys, and it's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't say McCallie right, but I can say Chattanooga. Anyway, according to the website, uh, boarding tuition for the 2020-2021 school year was $56,940. Wow. So he got top-notch education. After high school, Blake received a bachelor's degree from the University of Texas at Austin, where he minored in Spanish and majored in economics. Then, he received a Bachelor's of Science degree in Telecommunications Management from DeVry University. Then, Blake received an Associate's degree of Applied Science in Biomedical Equipment. Wait, I said that wrong. Biomedical Equipment Technology from Texas State Technical College in Marshall. Alright, no comment on that. Alright, moving on. Which part? Any of it. I mean, that's... What? Is that what you were saying? TSTC. Right? Yeah. Texas State Technical College? Yeah, I mean, I thought you would have a comment on, like, all of his, like, many degrees and... I mean, he's gone to school a lot and he's gotten a lot of degrees. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of sounds familiar, don't you think? No. (laughs) With the amount of time he spent in college, he could be a doctor, don't you think, Nikki? First of all, I didn't spend that much time in college. (laughs) I mean, it's totally fine. You're (laughs) well-educated. All right. So, Lori and Blake meet, they elope in January of 2004. So, like, not like a year later, after they meet at Bible study, okay? Okay. They move to Leonard, Texas. Leonard is, like, northeast of Dallas. Has a population of about 1,900 people. Leonard. Leonard. Okay. Okay. Um, after they were married, the couple tried for several years to have a baby. No luck. She suffered a few miscarriages. So, Lori and Blake decide they want to try a few different things, including in vitro, which worked. And she finally gave birth in 2008. They had a baby girl, Jessica Emily Ruff. So, Blake's family was always trying to find out more information about Lori and where she came from, her background. She didn't... She she wasn't a person that liked to talk about her childhood. She didn't talk about her family. When her and Blake met, she actually didn't have any living relatives at all. So it's just her. Blake's mother, Nancy, remembers questioning Lori, Lori several times about how she grew up. But she always seemed to avoid it and jump straight into, like, her college years. Right? Right. Needless to say, Lori's behavior is strange. So some of the occurrences... She wouldn't let people touch or hold the baby. People say that, like, she was kind of odd with the baby. Like, the way she held her and stuff like that. Like, she had never been around children before. Mm -hmm. She was super overprotective. Like, she would take the baby to the bathroom with her. Okay. When other people were around. And, like, so so she would never let the baby go nowhere. She wouldn't let the baby stay with anybody. This was something that really bothered Nancy because obviously she wanted her grandchild to come stay with them, stuff like that. And Lori's like, no, that's not happening. She also didn't hang around the family too much either. So like at family gatherings and stuff, she'd always just kind of wander off and avoid people. Mm -hmm. At first, the, the roughs just kind of assumed that it was something terrible that happened to her as a child that she didn't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that's also why she avoided people. So, I know me. I'm not a very judgmental person. Uh, I don't know why I said that. I'm lying. <laughs> and I have a thousand ideas that would come to my head if this was somebody at our family gathering. Which we always seem to have, like, random people at our family gatherings. And we're just all fine with it. I don't really... 
necessarily have random people, <laughs> but somebody's always bringing people. Yeah. And the whole family's just always just kind of been okay with it. That's just like a thing. Well, yeah, we've always told mom, like, she's, her house is a revolving door. Yeah. Somebody's always there. Yeah. And Which is not a bad thing. That not. says a lot about mom, I think. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, like, about our family. We've just always kind of been okay with it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've never been, I wasn't raised to think that there was anything wrong with having anybody show up. Right. Yeah. So Lori's strange. Not even Blake knew much about her family, her life, her background, nothing. Obviously... Things like this can put a strain on a relationship. And it did. Lori, Blake, and the Ruff family. They, it's, it's a struggle. They are riding the struggle bus. So Nancy, Blake's mom, pushed Lori about her background and about her actions with the baby. Lori eventually decides she doesn't want the baby around Nancy anymore. She's like, baby's not going over there no more. We're done. Obviously, Blake is stuck in the middle. So Lori and Blake decide to go to marriage counseling. That didn't work. So, Blake moved in with his mom in Dallas, and Lori stayed in Leonard with the baby. Blake filed for divorce on August 5th, 2010. Okay? Okay. So, when this happened, Lori starts acting even more odd. Do you get Amber Alerts on your phone? Well, yeah. Did it go off? Carlton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mine went off too. Okay, so yeah, she starts acting more odd. Neighbors said that they saw her like just talking to herself outside like pacing around the yard and they Lori and her daughter both started losing like a lot of weight and and uh, an unhealthy way okay she started sending threatening emails to the rough family and there was even an incident when Lori and Blake were exchanging the daughter for a visitation right all the reports and documents I read all say that Lori blew up she was all angry Something happened, and she stole a set of house keys. However. You're going to have to explain a little more on that. What, what well, are you talking about? That, that's, that's basically all it says. It says that there was an altercation. Oh, a set of house keys. Right. There, she says that it, all the reports say that there was an altercation during an exchange of their daughter, and she stole a set of house keys. Okay. From, like, to house keys to the rough family home. Okay. In Dallas. Okay. Now, with that being said, I went ahead and looked for court documents. And in September of 2010, which would have been just two, wait, one month after he filed for divorce. Uh, yeah, I found a court document for Blake where he was arrested for assault. Now, that being said, I don't know if it's in relation to this particular altercation with Lori, but it is awfully coincidental. That this incident that everybody talks about where she stole the house keys happened in September and Blake is also arrested for assault the same time. See what I'm saying? The charges were dropped and he was released. But still, they could be related. I'm saying this because I'm not necessarily 100% positive that it is on either individual. Okay. I think, in my personal opinion, I think there's a little bit of both going on here. That makes any sense. So there was one morning, Nancy heard her back gate being opened. So obviously she's like, "Well, Lori stole a set of house keys. She it must be her, you know." Mm -hmm. She didn't see anybody, so she doesn't really know. But she assumes that that's what happened. Nobody came in their home or nothing like that. They just she just heard the back gate open. 
Nancy files a cease and desist order. Even though she doesn't have any idea who that was? Right. Okay. So basically, a cease and desist order is a warning to a person or business that if they keep up whatever activity activity that they're doing that's allegedly illegal, that there will be legal action taken. That's basically what that is. So on December 24th, 2010, which is Christmas Eve, Blake's father, John, goes outside to get his morning paper. Because I don't, I don't know if they do this everywhere, but people throw paper, you like the morning paper on your on your lawn. I think it's pretty common. Okay. Is it? Are you sure? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Cause, well, people don't read the paper anymore. Yeah. Not like they used to. I think the older generation does. Yeah, I don't. Do you subscribe to a newspaper? I don't either. I get my news from the I internet. No, Fox News. Hello. Oh, well, because there's only Fox News. There's no other. No, that's true. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so he goes out to get his paper. Uh, he When he lifts the garage door, because I guess he's going through the back door, coming through the garage. So he's going to lift the garage door to go out and get his paper, right? So he lifts the garage door, and he notices a black Tahoe sitting in the driveway with the engine running. So he runs inside to call the cops, right? When the cops get there, they find Lori in her Tahoe, dead, from gunshot wound to the head. Mm. In the car, they find an 11-page suicide note. 11 pages. Yeah, it's a lot. Now, I mean, I would much rather somebody tell me what they have to write down in 11 pages than to commit suicide and write it in 11 pages. I'd rather just listen to your story. Oh, that was your computer, yes. Was it? Was it? (laughs) Anyway, so 11-page suicide note, one addressed to her husband, Blake, and the other one addressed to her daughter. Apparently, nothing was in the letters that had any interest to the Ruff family because I can't find them anywhere. All I can find about the letters is they say that they were suicide letters and that they were ramblings and provided no information into Lori's past. And if they don't know Lori's past, then Nancy doesn't give a shit. See what I'm saying? Yeah. My first thought is like, why are y'all so obsessed with her past and her childhood? Like, there could be more in those letters that explain what's wrong with this woman and why she apparently committed suicide. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that irritates me. I mean, that there could be... Anyway, they just said that she rambled, blah, blah, blah. But in my personal opinion, everything that I read just seems like the Ruff family, if if they don't know about her past, then they could care less what the letter said. Does that make sense? Yes. Anyway. Uh, Lori was laid to rest on January 3rd, 2011 in Longview. So, what happens after someone passes away? Right? Mm-hmm. What happens? You tell me. Well, you go through all their stuff. Oh. Mm-hmm. Right? You gotta go through all their stuff, get everything sorted out. Mm-hmm. Right? So, the roughs go to Leonard. They're gonna sort through her stuff. And in reality, what they're doing is... They they want to know what the heck. I mean... Yeah. They're trying to get information. Right. More insight. I'll explain why this bothers me. I understand that they want to know who this chick is, and where she came from, and how she ended up in their lives to cause all this drama. However... It just seems like no one cared about the fact that someone was clearly mentally ill, so much so that she literally committed suicide. That same someone that has a child that's only two years old at this time. Right. And there just seems to be more focus on, you know, 
Lori's past. Then. Yeah, like the fact that she's secretive and the fact she doesn't want to talk about it and stuff like that. Then the fact that she was clearly dealing with some stuff or not dealing with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why it bothers me. Anyway, so obviously they go there. They say that the house is a mess. They go through a lot of irrelevant documents. And they find a lockbox in the closet. This lockbox has been in there for quite some time. Blake says that he knew it was in there and Lori told him not to touch it. So he didn't. So, uh, Blake is, he's a different kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't talk much, real quiet. Even at, uh, he went to, remember I told you how they went to counseling? Mm-hmm. He took his twin brother, David, to speak on his behalf. What? Yeah. It's a little weird. That's a little weird. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If my husband had a box and was like, don't touch this. Wait till you go to work. That's the first thing I'm going to touch. <laughs> you don't think about the elephant. Think yeah, about the elephant. exactly. So obviously, the rough family is a lot like me, right? They pry the box open. Right. So inside the box, they find identification cards, birth certificates, court documents, and more papers with random ramblings on them. So the roughs come to the conclusion that Lori isn't Lori at all. What? They start researching some of the items they find in the box. A court document out of Dallas shows that a name was changed from Becky Sue Turner to Lori Kennedy. So they're like, oh, she's actually Becky Sue, Mm -hmm. right? So they look into this a little bit further. They find out Becky Sue Turner Died in a house fire at age two. I'll I'll wait for a better reaction than silence. <laughs> well, we don't know, right? I mean, hopefully you're going to explain that. But is it one of those things where it's like sleeping with the enemy? Where she's trying to like get away from an abusive husband and so <gasps> she finds somebody with a completely different name so that <gasps> she can start over somewhere else? Or mm. did she kill this two-year-old and now she's... <gasps> I mean... There's so many possibilities. Ooh. (laughs) I like how your mind works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then, they find a name on some of the paperwork. It's named Ben Perkins. Okay? Okay. They research. They find out he's an attorney in Los Angeles. So they call him. And he said he's never heard of any of those names. And then he goes on to explain that he only provides legal services to the African American community. And he's never had a white client. Lori was white. So, it's kind of odd. She has his his name on paperwork, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I know what you're thinking. It's not like one of those, what, what, Into the Dark, where the girl is brought up thinking that she's not white. Turns out she's white. I did not think of that. So, that's the first thing I thought of, and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Right? Yeah. Because that was a good podcast. Or, I guess that was the show called Into the Dark, but what was the podcast name of it? Root of Evil. Oh. We listened to it on the way to Louisiana. Yes. Well, now that you're saying Root of Evil. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was a good one. Mm -hmm. That was. So, uh, the Ruff family, like I said, well-known family. So, it has some connections, right? Mm -hmm. They reach out to a congressional aide that they know. So, this aide takes documents and goes to Washington, D.C. During a meeting, the aide places a binder... In front of Joe Veiling. Joe is an investigator for the Social Security Administration. So, he investigates fraudulent use of Social Security numbers. He's a special... 
agent in charge of the Seattle investigations office. Okay. So he's brought down people for credit card fraud, uh, fraudulent bank account users, and people that change their identity to skip out on child support. So that's the common things that he's done. So he's a seasoned investigator. He looks at the binder and the information and everything. He's like, sure, it's not a problem. Yeah, I'll take this. He even said in an interview with the Seattle Times that he thought he would crack it pretty quickly. So he was like, it's a piece of cake. In a document dated October 20th, 2011, Lori is officially listed as an unidentified theft suspect. They started with the name Becky Sue Turner. Mm -hmm. They were able to get a copy of a birth certificate for Becky Turner, born July 18th, 1969, in Bakersfield, California. They were able to get a copy of a death certificate as well. Becky Turner died December 29th, 1971, in Tacoma, Washington, from smoke inhalation. There was also an ID card with Lori's picture on it and the name Becky Sue. This ID card was from Idaho, and it said she was about 18 years old at the time. So they believe Lori was in Idaho around 1988. From there, they came across the application for a social security card. The application says Becky Turner is the name of at birth and Lori Kennedy is the name to be shown on the card. Right? Mm-hmm. So they have found that she took the birth certificate of Becky Sue Turner, used it to change her name to Lori Kennedy. But Becky actually died when she was two. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. The Social Security investigator was able to figure out these things along with a few other little minor details. Like the fact that uh, she was a stripper when she was in college. She had gotten her GED, but he couldn't figure out how she actually got into college. Because, you know, you have to apply. Mm-hmm. Which means you also have to provide high school transcripts, which she didn't have. Anyway. So, everyone comes together. They all have this information. But no one can find anything prior to her changing her name from Becky to Lori. In 2013, Joe reached out to a genealogist in California named Colleen Fitzpatrick. So, a genealogist studies families, family history, tracing of lineages, things like that. Okay. Colleen is a seasoned genealogist who is best known for co-founding the DNA Doe Project. Oh, okay. People who don't know that, it's a nonprofit organization formed to identify unidentified deceased persons. Right. Colleen takes DNA samples from Lori's daughter daughter to start trying to find family. This took a while. They find a supposed distant cousin who had never heard of her, and then they find even more distant cousins. So they're so far off they don't even bother with it. And then after two years in the system, they're able to start building a family tree with different cousins that they pull in from Pennsylvania. In March of 2016, Joe goes to Pennsylvania. He's like, I'm going to go talk to this family in person, right? Okay. He shows them a picture of Lori, and they're like, oh, that's Kimberly. (laughs) (laughs) Lori Kennedy Ruff was Becky Sue Turner, who was actually... Kimberly McLean, born October 16th, 1968, in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Wow. DNA confirmed that she was a match to these blood relatives. They're like, uh, what happened to Kimberly? 
Apparently, she ran away from home in 1986 when she was 17. Her mother and father had divorced and her mother had remarried. And Kimberly did not get along with her stepdad. So she ran away. So this child, at 17, leaves home because she's not able to cope with her parents' divorce. Mm-hmm. Not only was she able to steal the identity of a deceased two-year-old, mm-hmm. she was able to change her name and get all the necessary documentations from an ID to a social security card. <laughs> then she puts herself through college, meets a wealthy man, gets married, and has a baby. All of this she does while battling her own mental health issues. Blake said she was taking medication for ADHD and Tourette's. Oh, wow. So, you remember how I said that they found papers that she had, like, scribbled random stuff on? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so apparently she did this all the time. There were notebooks everywhere. In her vehicle, in her home, everywhere. Where she just scribbled stuff all the time. So, a few other things that I thought were odd, she she would get her baby and get all dressed up and they would go to tea shops and have tea. Okay. Like with well, like with the big hats and everything. Mm, okay. For for Christmas, she asked for an easy bake oven. Mhm. Mhm. She went to counseling, like I told you, with a pastor. Um and he said that she was like obsessed with her hands. Her hands? Yeah, she talked about it all the time. Her hands. Mhm. Okay. Another piece of side information she filed for bankruptcy in 1997. Okay. So, I feel like it's important to understand her mental capacity while also being a master identity thief. Right. I just feel like that's a lot to accomplish. I can't get my 17-year-old to get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. In September of 2016, Kimberly, McLean, Becky, Sue, Turner, Lori, Kennedy, Ruff, was removed from the federal database for missing and unidentified persons. Wow. She was all over the place, too. Because what, what what, all have you talked about? You've talked about Pennsylvania. Yep. You've talked about Idaho, Texas, California. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. yeah. And she said she was... Originally, she said she was born in Arizona. I mean, it was... It was it was an ordeal. I mean, can you imagine? Like, a relative passes away and come to find out that's not who they are at all. Yeah, that's crazy. To be... To have them want to have somebody married, family, they have a child, all of this, and you don't know, you don't actually know who they are. Exactly. Crazy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I can't, I can't even. Yeah. The whole like mental health issue is just I can't get over that because I mean obviously if she had gotten whatever help that she needed, this little baby wouldn't be without their mom. True. But, I mean, how are they supposed to know that Lori was Becky was Kimberly? Well, I mean, she had to find somebody that was just going to not ask questions, which it seems like Blake Right. (laughs) He did not question anything. He marries this girl, and he's just like, yeah, okay. Oh, don't touch the lockbox? Not a problem. Won't do it. Yeah, not interested in the lockbox at all. No? Do you have family? You want to come to the wedding? No. Oh, okay, cool. I can call some cousins. They can come. Be fine. (laughs) I don't know. It's just crazy. (laughs) But I saw this story go in a whole different direction when the divorce happened and 
Nancy was making it out to be like she was kind of stalking him a little bit. Yeah. Totally saw this going a different way. I was like, she's going to murder somebody. Right. Yeah. Sad day. But a lot of stuff happened. So. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Questions, comments, concerns? No. That's... I don't understand how people can do that. Well, I was trying to find a crime that was not mm, necessarily gruesome murder. Yeah. But just like a strange situation. Right. Right. I mean, suicide turns into like a straight up like Jane Doe missing persons thing. Right. Who ends up being a flat out criminal. Identity stealing is a crime. Like she's a criminal. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So I don't understand how she was able to do all that with mental problems. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Like she may have had some issues, but she wasn't no fool. She knew what she was doing. Right. So, and I mean, obviously they said that she had to know a little bit about identity theft because she stole the identity of a little girl that she knew had passed and also was born in one state but died in another. So it makes it easier to steal that identity because there's a conflict of location. And then she went to a completely different state to change the name. So I guess everybody that takes a birth certificate up to go like change their name with the social security office. Unless they're just steadily running death certificate searches for every single person. They they have no way of knowing. And it's not that difficult to get a birth certificate. No? No. If you have all the information that would be on a birth certificate, all you have to do is request it. And they'll send it to you in the mail. But, I mean, you have to have the accurate information. Yeah. That's on the... And obviously she did. Pretty crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. And now that all that stuff is public knowledge... Because I can, like, put in a request to get your birth certificate. Yeah. Or, like, get a copy of it or whatever. If people are willing to spend their money, they'll do it. I don't know. It was interesting, so I thought you should know. (laughs) It was interesting. That was good. Thanks. On to the next. (laughs) Here we go.